He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Good to be back on U.S. Open week. It is U.S. Open Wednesday. The golf is finally almost here. Great show for you today. We've got free, uh, free, full, it's always free, full preview coming up on the other side of the break. DraftKings, best bets, uh, one and dones, all that coming up on the other side as we make our picks for the U.S. Open. We've also got a great interview coming up before the break with Dr. Seth Hickerson, uh, who's worked for 15 years with, with mental game, training uh, high-level military personnel, CEO, as well as athletes. He's going to talk to us some uh, about the mental game in golf, why we do some of the things we do mentally, how that all works. Fascinating interview coming up with Dr. Seth Hickerson. Guys, we are finally on the eve of the U.S. Open. The golf is almost here, uh, and I think that that will be a, a welcome relief to actually get to the finally, golf tomorrow. Finally, Sam. some golf. I'm with you there, Colby. Uh, but before we get to the golf, real quick, I do have to give a little shot to my man Gideon Hamilton. Uh, I, you, first of all, Colby, you did a great job with Gideon this morning. Uh, on the on, this is all Gideon. I can't control how I'm introduced on the sports animal, and Gideon called the 73rd hole Colby and the Bonesaw Brigade. I I would prefer the Three Musketeers against Monopoly, but you know <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but anyways, yes, Colby, I am so excited to just get to. The golf. And guys, I think we have one of the most open U.S. Opens of all time. I'm excited to get into what your guys' thoughts are on certain guys, but just my initial thoughts are is I love great drivers of the golf ball this week. T-Dub, what are your thoughts? I mean, guys, I, I'm just so, I'm, I'm 100% with y'all. I'm just so excited that we finally just get some golf and we don't have to worry about all this stupid off-the-course stuff. So I would like to mainly stay focused on that. I, I'm so excited. To see Brookline, you know, we've, we've mentioned this quite a few times. We have the old guild hand restoration on our hands, and it brings back to what I like is classic golf course. The course was built in 1894 or whatever it was, so it, it definitely withstood the, the test of time. And I'm excited to see how these players play it. Um, I think it was Paul McGinley last night on Live Front was talking really about the course management side of it, and I agree with him 100%. There's a lot of different ways you can play, play some of these holes. I think there's I think there's like four holes, they said, par fours that are under 400 yards or maybe under 410, something like that. Last year at Torrey, there was absolutely zero that were that short. So there's going to be a lot of different strategies there with how far people are hitting the ball now. You know, they're going to be able to get it close to the green. I believe on 17, especially, they might be able to move the tees up some. Hopefully, they try to do that on Sunday, very similar to what Southern Hills did at the PGA. We'll be able to create some excitement. I think I agree with Sam, Woody. I think it's going to be a pretty tight test. I don't think we're going to have a five or six shot guy run away for it unless it's someone like Rory or JT. Well, I think I think you guys are we're all spot on with this. If you look at the odds that are out there, basically they're gonna be heavy towards the top ten. Rory is number one, then Justin Thomas, you know, John Rom, Scotty Shepherd, Cam Smith, Xander Shopley, Colin Marcalva, Jordan Speed, Paul Cantley, and uh Sam Burns. So uh, uh you know, when you really think about it, okay, those names I just gave out Odds are one of them will probably win. But why is it called what it's called? It's called the Open Championship because it's open to who knows what. And we all know that in the first couple of days, there's going to be a name you don't know. 
there's going to be a name. Somebody is not that high on the on the world rankings or something like that that's going to come out of the box and play pretty good. Will they sustain it for 72 holes? Probably not. Uh, history will tell us they won't. But it's going to be fun to watch who's the sleeper. Who's the guy we aren't thinking about that's going to be playing good for maybe 36 or 54 holes? Woody, you just did something without realizing it that I absolutely love. I think that Americans should start calling the U.S. Open the Open Championship. <laughs> I actually agree with you. I actually do. I agree with you. It, it, it is our yeah. Open. It is the U.S. Open. Uh, I, I will say this. You know, Dark Horses... These are the last nine major winners, starting from the PGA and going backward. JT, Scotty, Morikawa, Rom, Phil, Hideki, DJ, Bryson, Morikawa. I mean, it is... Biggest names in golf. It is big dogs only at the majors. It's been a while since we've had a, a flute guy come up who's not one of the best players in the world. And you look at some of these guys who right now, you know, Bryson's had injuries. He's in the mid-20s. At the time he won, he was one of the five best players in the game. Same thing with DJ. Same thing with Hideki. Those guys. Uh, now, Phil's was, was a little bit fluky, but still, it's one of the greatest players of all time. Put it together for four days. So, uh, I mean, I'm expecting something very similar. I, I think, personally, I would be surprised if the winner this week comes from outside the top 10 in the official world golf ranking. Yeah, you know, it, to me, like I said, Colby, it's the most open, open I almost said open champion. I'm going to just start calling it the open championship. <laughs> to me, it's the most open tournament we've seen in a long time. The reason being is I think that Brookline will bring shorter hitters into it. That's why I, this week, am favoring great drivers of the golf ball and not necessarily long hitters. I don't think you can bomb and gouge on this golf course. They have the graduated rough, and not just the graduated rough to the second cut. Then they have fescue, if you hit it even more offline here at Brookline. I like certain things um, about this golf course, and I think that it has the potential, T-Dub, if we're getting into the golf course, of being maybe in this new U.S. Open rotation um, because it is that old-style course, has the tradition with Francis we met, um, and and obviously Strange in 88. And um, to me, I think that Brookline could really show us something this week. I'm really excited to watch it. By by the way, Sam, you'll get a kick out of this. I was reading this. I was watching live from earlier this week, reading it on the bottom. Uh, I think it was the first hole of the playoff in 1930. Maybe it was the first, first hole of the final round. I can't remember. Francis Wee May topped his tee shot 40 yards and made double. Goes on to win the it tournament. It was in the first round. It was first first tee shot of the tournament, 1913. Yeah, Cole topped it 40 yards. <laughs> Cole topped it 40 <laughs> yards in 1913. Uh, that's just Sam's favorite style of golf ever was played in 1913. Oh, I mean, That's when the game, game was at its absolute peak. We've been on a downward trend since 1913. Trivia question. Who was Francis Wee Met's caddy? You should know this. Uh, Eddie? Oh, that's old, old little Eddie. Eddie, Eddie what's, I don't know his name. And Eddie guys, Eddie Lowry, he, he caddied for Francis We Met when he was, what, 10, 12 years old? Six years after he caddied for Francis We Met, uh, he won the Massachusetts Junior Amateur on this golf course. There's a little trivia for wow. you. Wow, how about that? That's uh, By the way, the, the Massachusetts Amateur is in the field this week. Some 20-year-old Thor, Thor Bjornsson something trying to be the new Francis We May. Uh, we May, We Met. I don't even actually know how it's pronounced. <laughs> um, I don't like his chances. I don't like Thor Bjornsson's <laughs> chances 109 years later of coming down with the trophy on Sunday. Do you want to tell everybody you can You're saying you it's better go, competition than Varden and Ray? I'm thinking it's better competition, yes. You can have uh, some good competition and some good fun at Oak Tree on August 20. 
29th for a great event. Hashtag end ALZ, which is Alzheimer's. Uh, you can go out there and check it out. August 29th, Oak Tree Country Club. Uh, it's a shotgun start, which I know people are starting to warm up to the idea of you get breakfast, lunch, great time benefiting a great cause. Hashtag end ALZ. Go check it out. Uh, Alzheimer's golf tournament uh, to help out at Oak Tree. And you can give uh, Tyler Marks, who's running this, a call at 405-205-0662. 405-205-0662. Go check it out. Hashtag end ALZ golf tournament coming up this August. Uh, and Sam, I believe we'll be out there with the team. Yeah, we're going to have a team out there. We'll be doing our show from out there. I'm really excited about this. Obviously, Alzheimer's has uh, made its hit on my family in the past with my grandpa and everything. Mine so as well. Close to my heart. And so Mine it'll too. be a good time. Yeah, just about everybody's, I think. I think uh, if the four of us go play in a scramble, I'm like a 2.2 index. I think I'm the D player. Do you get to play the red tees? I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope yeah. so. Move up, baby. Get forward. Hashtag T it forward. That's USGA USGA. It's USGA week. Hashtag T it forward. Uh, let's talk about the country club. Guys, I've been watching a lot of live from Taylor. We were talking about this during the break. You have been as well. Some of these holes, it's not... Yes, longer hitters are having success, and I expect longer hitters to have success this week, but some of these holes are going to force you to play positionally at the country club. Rory called it a cross between Beth Page and Pebble, and that's got me pretty fired up to see how the country club might play this week for the game's best. Now, I was honestly, you know, just seeing the fly over the course, I was pretty shocked with but the way it looked. I didn't remember it looking like this. Obviously, in 1999, I was only six years old, so I can't remember it that vividly. But, uh, you know, before I get into the course, guys, I want to share a fun fact that y'all heard on the uh, on the golf channel last night from live from. It says that the 1913 U.S. Open, the famous uh, French Met Open, they moved that tournament from June to September because Harry Barton and Ted Ray had an exhibition match going on at the same time, so they tailored the event around their schedule. That would be like if the U.S. Open today moved their schedule around the Phil Tiger. Uh, the, the match on TNT. So uh, it's just crazier times like you guys were mentioning that we lived in. Truly really unbelievable. But uh, yeah, Willie I mean, called, I think hey, Willie called the living home. exhibition. It could be the same thing. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to start moving <laughs> US Open for the live exhibition. So yeah, crazy times. But, but back to the course, guys. I can't. I think it's the 10th or 11th hole. I may be wrong on that. It, it's called quarry because it was literally built like you had to hit your tee shot over an actual quarry. Uh, it's the eighth back hole. When they built the, quarry. The, the eighth hole. There was an exposed quarry in front of the eighth tee box. You had to hit your tee shot over this quarry on number eight. And, and also shout out Modern Warfare Two fans know the map quarry. They know how cool it was. So <laughs> shout that, that out quarry. <laughs> add a little nostalgia to the fact, but yeah, it, it just seems like this course has even more character than I thought. And I think that what Rory says honestly spot on because. I believe uh, Huntman said on the radio show, you know, there's only the only course that has smaller greens than the country club in the rotation is Pebble Beach. So, I mean, I think that's good. Then you had Shinnecock. Everyone's notorious for how hard that is. Our boy Scott Burplank says that the U.S. Open should be there every single year. So, hopefully, it proves test time. But, you know, we kind of mentioned this, like I mentioned earlier, with L.A. Country Club next year having a lot of pressure on them. Woody, I think there's a lot of pressure on these courses that aren't in this, you know, U.S. Open, um, whatever it's called, future site rotation because – you're going to have so many more small chances to get majors up until 2050 and even later. So I think there's a lot of pressure on the country code this week, Woody, to not just create a tough test, but a fair test as well. Well, and, and, and I think that's going to be what's going to be the most interesting thing this year and next year. Would one of those two courses possibly get in the rotation? I think, I think Brookline will get it before LA North, mostly because of the membership at Brookline, I think would want, the U.S. Open consistently. Um, 
I can tell you funny stories about L.A. at Country Club because I played it, so we ain't got time today. We're going to get there. I don't think those guys really want the Open consistently. They have no problem doing it next year. So if Brookline shines this next four days, which I I truly believe it will, it, it's a golf course that, uh, that a lot of people don't talk about because we never get to see it. But once you see it, and television probably won't do it justice, like, like Augusta, it never does there. But once you watch a little bit of it, and I look for the scores to be – Oh, they'll be under par. I don't think they'll get the double digits this week. And it'll I think it's gonna prove such a good test that it's gonna be hard for them not to consider it for the rotation. I really believe that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great golf course. I'm loving everything that we're seeing coming out of here this week. Uh, again, it's been the Bombers at the U.S. Open, the, the great drivers of the golf ball. Last year, it was uh, John Rahm. And then we had Bryson a, a couple of years ago at Wingfoot, like yep. we mentioned. Even Gary Woodland in 2019 at Pebble, longer hitter of the golf ball. So you look at the guys right now who are driving it the best in the world. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy. I mean, those are those are kind of the guys right now. I mean, Rahm, you know, he's, he's the, the defending champ. I think he's got a great chance here this week. Sam, who am I? Will Zalatoris, well, the great driver of the golf ball right now. Who am I missing, Sam? I will say that in 2022, Scotty Scheffler is only gaining .35 shots off the tee. You that might surprises think, me. You might think that he's driving it better than that. He's not analytically. He's had some bad driving rounds um, so far this year, but yeah, I agree with you uh, on your overall point there. And, and to me, I think the best drivers in the world right now are guys like a Rory, JT, Rom, like you just said, and then and then other guys shorter but straighter, right? So a guy like Fitzpatrick or Hovland or um, even go down the list to a Zalatoris, which I, I wouldn't pick necessarily because of the putting, but, you know, if you are just looking strictly at ball striking, the, top, top a guy 10, like him. Yeah. Top 10 in both majors this year. 100%. And he, and he was top 10 in strokes gained putting at Southern, which is yes, unusual for Zalatoris. If he does that, he's always going to contend. I, I do want to get your thoughts, Taylor. Uh, Victor Victor Hovland has kind of been out of sight, out of mind for a while. He had that great stretch of golf. Now he's just kind of been in the middle of, it's not a bad stretch of golf. It's just a very average stretch of golf. And an average stretch of golf from a player that caliber who was, you know, top three in the world just a few months back. You know, you kind of get out of the headlines when you're playing average golf. Is this kind of the week for Victor Hovland to get his first top 10 in a major championship? Or do you think this course with the small greens and stuff maybe doesn't set up that well for Hovland? Well, you know, we look at Hovland's record, guys. You know, he uh, – and not in, in the U.S. Open, 2019 finished 12th, and in 2020 finished 13th. Uh, didn't play last year, 2021. So, you know, th- it seems like of all the majors, it seems like Hovland would have the best bet here. And I'm looking, I'm just looking at the analytics here, guys. You know, it seems like that his, his stroke gain approach is it, still positive, but, but it, it's worse than it was. And But what's interesting is that he hasn't had very good finishes. He has T41, T21. And T51 since uh, that's the last three stroke play events. He's getting stroke game putting in every single one of those and still hasn't had a very good finish. He just isn't putting it that close and he's still gaining strokes off the tee, guys, but it's just not what we've seen. So, and, and, and the stroke gain around the green is also not where it needs to be either, which is something we talked about all year. So I don't know, guys. I, I think if I had to pick on him, I think he'd probably somewhere around the 20 to 25 range. But uh, I, I honestly, I'd be fairly, I wouldn't be shocked, but I'd be fairly taken off guard if Hovland ended up winning this turn. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think about his chances? Local guy, obviously, a lot of Oklahoma State fans uh, around here love him, rooting for him. He just, early in his career, he's been unbelievable. He, he just hasn't made it 
he hasn't put it all together at major championships. Uh, what do you think kind of goes into that, and do you think maybe this could be the week where he turns it around? Well, he he has not won a really big event on the PGA Tour yet either, if you think about it. The, the, any PGA Tour wins big. but um, He still hasn't won in the U.S., has he? No, I don't think he, in the continental uh, United think, States. Yeah. I don't think he has. I, I don't as think he has one in the United States. As a professional, down there right. in Puerto Rico. Yeah, as a professional. Um, I think majors are a funny thing. I think experience is a lot. It's not given near as much credit as it needs to be. There's always the guys that have have come out of nowhere in one of their first events is win a major. But I'll tell you what: it, it, the more you play in the better you get at them. Duh. Uh, but I think I think Hoblin is has probably put a little bit of extra pressure on himself when he doesn't need to. If if Victor just goes out and plays the kind of golf he's capable of, he's a top ten guy in every major. So maybe he's just working his way through and just kind of getting his feet on the ground and uh but when it opens up, he might be like David Duvall. Once he starts winning and wins, you know, consistently on U.S. soil and gets his first major, ooh, better look out. Katie Bardor, here we go. Guys, I love Hovland this week, and the reason being is because the hole in his game is around the greens. And at the U.S. Open, everyone is going to have trouble around the greens especially with this rough he's on in 2022 he's having by far the best putting year of his career gaining over half a shot strokes gained approach he's gaining a shot on the field and off the tee he's gaining 0.69 so if everyone is struggling nice. around the greens yeah nice right taylor uh if everyone is struggling around the greens colby i'll get your thoughts first on it you know do you look to for that to be his downfall this week because i don't I, I love victor hovland this week yeah i just think that that his margin for error with his ball striking is so small because he does struggle in that area now like you said a lot of guys I, are gonna ask, have problems this let week. me ask you this yeah, question then so if you think his margin for error is small because he's so bad around the greens does that margin get wider or more narrow on a course like this that is you know has such high rough around the greens I would say it probably gets a little bit wider because like you said other guys are going to be struggling as well I I just don't know that I see the the current form from Hovland you know he's not coming in with with a string of three top fives in four starts or anything like that like I said it's just kind of been average golf and, and maybe having the lower expectations this week maybe in his own camp and just around the golf world I mean how many people are talking about Victor Hovland it's chances to win the U.S. Open this week. Nobody. Nobody. Everybody's talking about Liv and Phil and, and talking about, you know, Rory's Rory chances to JT go back to back. And, yeah. JT, Rom defending, all this stuff. So maybe flying in under the radar, maybe all he needs is, is some lower expectations, comes in under the radar uh, and plays a little bit better. I just, uh, again, kind of like I've said with Hovland so many times in the majors, I just need to see it one time. I just need to see it one time that he goes to a major championship, plays his best golf, and, and gets himself in a position to win. If you want to play your best golf, you need to head over to GrooveItBrush.com. If you don't have a Groove it Brush on your bag yet, we're almost in July. Too much of the golf season has come and gone without you having the, quite possibly the finest golf club cleaner ever made on your bag. Magnets on there with arguably the strong, strongest magnet in the world. Uh, that's not official. That's just my personal review. You put the water right in the brush. Cleaner clubs 
straighter shots, longer shots, grooveitbrush.com, promo code 73rd hole. These things are so popular that they are once again sold out, but you can still go to the website. You can pre-order. I'm telling you, these things wouldn't be getting sold out and going out of stock every two you months. You have a company, they also put logos on them Yep, for they you. put logos on them. They wouldn't be selling out every two months if they weren't the real deal. So go get your pre-order now. Grooveitbrush.com, promo code 73rd hole for 10% off. I had someone text me the other day. It's 73RDHOLE. It's not spelled out 73rd hole. (laughs) Yeah, it's the numerals uh, and then the RD as opposed to the full spelling. So, uh, yeah, great stuff. Head over to grooveitbrush.com. Any other thoughts? I mean, we've got Brooks Kepka coming in. Incredible run at U.S. Opens. He's switching back, guys, to his old driver and his old golf ball. I mean, your your Brooks guy, Sam, d- does it give you any hope that maybe he can rekindle some of his former magic that we haven't seen in a while from Brooks with the old clubs? He's only played twice since the match play. It was at the Masters and the PGA, missed cut in a T-55. What do you think about Brooks, Sam? Well, look at his stats on the year. He's having by far his worst year that he's had since about 2015 on tour analytically, only gaining .22 off the tee evens approach evens around the green uh, and on the green only gaining 0.17 and so he needs to fix something something has to pop with with Kepka this week I'm not picking him this week just because you know he hadn't shown us much and it's interesting that he did change drivers because he was messing around with two drivers on the range at the PGA and I asked him and he and he kind of deflected the question but I could tell he was really using two drivers and I think that he could have possibly been thinking about doing that at the PGA too. Yeah and I was a little surprised that he didn't and that was a good question kind of trying to get inside his mind. I, I don't know Taylor. Kepka you still kind of expect him to pop from time to time but I don't know. It's kind of seeming like maybe his best golf's behind him and like that knee injury was was much more of a, of a hindrance to him long-term than we were anticipating. I don't really know how bullish I am on Kepka moving forward until he, he shows me something. I, I think that I'm probably on feel the same way about Kepka this week as Sam does about Hobbs. I'm actually pretty high on Kepka. For some of the reasons you mentioned, I think that him getting the tailor-made, the M5 back in the bag is going to, Prove steady. That's the driver he used to win his uh, last major 2019 at Best Pace. So I think that's going to prove out well. And then uh, the thing I worry about is when you change driver and golf ball, those are two the two biggest things that, that you change whenever you're going through an equipment deal. So especially the ball being the biggest. So hopefully that'll get him back to his roots and able to kind of control his spin a little bit better. But yeah, I, I really do like him. And one of the reasons is I, actually there's two reasons. One is that you know we we've always talked about right how he's not that good in, in, in events that aren't majors. Well, we go back and look on it. The majors have been really the worst he's played this year. He finished uh, he finished fifth at the match play, finished twelfth at the Valspar, sixteenth at the Honda, third at uh, at Waste Management. So you know that's fairly good for him considering it's non majors. And then obviously, guys, all we got to do is look at his record in the U.S. Open. Obviously, missed the cut the first year he played. Probably, I think he's still an amateur. Uh, uh, since then, fourth, second, win, win, thirteenth, eighteenth, and fourth. So I don't know, Woody. I'm actually pretty high on Kepka, and the fact he got married too, I, I think proves him uh, a little bit of benefit as well. Well, he has had a lot on his mind with his marriage and, and with what it cost. I'm sure that he's going to have to play well. But, but um, you guys, what's the logo for the Brookline or for the country club? Do you know what their logo is? Not off the top of my head, tell no. me. I don't know. I got a picture of Brookline and it's just a bunch of old people, so I know it. <laughs> no, it's a squirrel. It looks like Twin Hills. That's it's right. So okay. It could get a little squirrely. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I'm it's going to get a little squirrely, and if you think Kepka is a little squirrely right now, you're wrong. 
So I think it's kind of fate that we go squirrel is our logo. Look for something squarely to happen this week. We're all favoring those certain guys. If there is a guy kind of coming under the radar, besides Hovland, it's Kepka. When you look at that record, we should be talking a lot more about him. And the reason we're not is he just hadn't been really focused. Well, he has a way of just being able to uh, come major weeks. He comes a new golfer, so I'm just telling you, it's going to get kind of squirrely. That's what I'm going to say on that. Yeah, it definitely could. One, one, really, one real quick thing just to follow up there. I think that Kepka's got a pretty advantageous grouping playing with Cam Smith and Scotty Scheffler the first two days. I think that'll give him a little bit of motivation as well. Yeah, that's definitely a good yeah. group. Uh, Scheffler, you know, there weren't really a ton of pressers this week compared to, to normal major championship weeks, I didn't think, but one of them was Brooks Kepka. Uh, he, he got a little hostile with, with one reporter uh, saying that, you know, there's this black cloud being thrown over the U.S. Open with all the live golf talk. Uh, now, I'm curious what y'all think. I really think that once golf balls start flying tomorrow, I think that stuff goes away. I, I think yep. that then we're going to be fully focused on the golf, and I think we're starting to see some more of it today as we get closer. I think Monday and Tuesday were much more live, but I think we're now kind of yeah. gearing up more for the golf. Are you, are you kind of feeling that too, Sam? I feel that too, and I, I did see a funny tweet that I agree with uh, talking about Kepka's comments, and obviously we all know that Chase Kepka went over and is playing on the Live right? series and everything. And so uh, I, I saw a funny tweet that said, if a guy says that he hasn't thought about it, he's thought about it, <laughs> about going over there. And, it, and if a guy says, uh, you know, that he's in, or that it's interesting, then he's going over there. <laughs> so it, I thought that was kind of funny, just trying to decipher what these guys are actually saying in between the lines. But I kind of agreed with Kepka that, you know, let's not put a black cloud over this U.S. Open and let's get to the golf. I am so, so excited uh, to have everyone playing in the same tournament and and I feel like by the end of the week on Sunday night we will not be talking about live unless you know a Dustin Johnson wins the golf tournament right I don't think that that will be the number one topic on Sunday night I just don't so there's a good question Taylor any 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 live guys contend this week because if they do then that will make the weekend very interesting and, yeah. and and that will further facilitate more live conversation any chance any of those guys can compartmentalize and put all this stuff to the side and and potentially win a U.S. Open this week uh, you know before I get to that guys I do have something to say I think that like I, I get that these reporters have a job and they want to do what gets the most views but frankly I think it's been disrespectful how the reporters have been handling this U.S. Open they go in and that's all they're talking about you have the option to not talk about this you can talk about the course talk about the events all they choose to talk about and I think there's been people on television the same thing. I think it's completely disrespectful to the U.S. Open, USDA, and the tradition of this tournament. So I just want to get that out there. I, like I said, I understand you have jobs, but, yeah, it's been absolutely disrespectful what they're doing. As far as the players contend, guys, I don't know. I, I do think DJ has a pretty good week. Um, you know, my dad made a good point last night. He said that, yeah, you know, DJ out of everyone really just doesn't care. So, I mean, he doesn't care kind of about the scrutiny that's coming his way. Um, maybe Louie has a good chance. I don't know. He kind of looked a little out of it at live with the guaranteed check you just never know but he seems like he's caring a lot more about his farm than he is about his golf i don't know guys and also what's up for our man tg i think that he's the type to want to make a statement too he's just not as quite as vocal as some of the other guys are and unfortunately yet doesn't have as big a voice as a Rory or jt or even a dj at this point so i don't know woody i think you gotta watch out for tg this week along with uh dusty golf oh i i totally agree because the, the, some of these guys have got to be starting to think this this is going to be maybe my last major. How many majors am I going to get to? 
especially if the world rankings don't come on board in some way. So the guy that the guy that pull it off better than anybody would be Dustin Johnson because uh, you know we all know Dustin lives in a little bit different world than all the rest of us do. <laughs> and uh, you know I, I didn't know you guys. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. And Colby, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor after this show is to try to look up and see if we can get a number. Do you guys know who Dustin Johnson's agent is? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't. I bet I can give it a quick Google. No, I can tell you. His name's David Winkle. Okay. Now, here's some trivia for you guys. David Winkle is from Oklahoma City. He played high school golf at Putman City. Wow. And if you can find if you can find his number, Colby, for me, I'll call him. Because I know David well. I haven't talked to him in years. But wouldn't he be somebody interesting to talk to? Yeah, not we're going to beat up on. Not what we're going to talk about. Live, I understand, but that would be that would be the guy. If anybody's going to pull it off this week and and do it, it's DJ. I guarantee you, he's the one. If it's going to happen, he's going to be the one to watch. Colby, do you have any? And I'll start with Colby again. Who are the guys that there is some talk about this week of playing good that you just think are fool's gold? Uh, fool's gold. That's a good question. I mean, most of the guys being thrown around are kind of the big dogs. Um, most of the favorites I really kind of like this week. I think Fitzpatrick could be a little bit of fool's gold. I've seen a lot of Fitzpatrick because he uh, won the USAM here in, I think it was 2013. Yep. Um, and now he's, you know, staying in the same house, right. doing all the same yep. things, tweeting out pictures of the course. I think Fitzpatrick is a little bit of fool's gold. Uh, one of the Golf Channel guys, I can't remember which one it was. Um, it was either Lavner or Brentley Romine maybe picked Matthew Fitzpatrick to win the golf tournament. No, maybe not. Come close, but fall short. Okay, Brantley said Matt Fitzpatrick would come close, but fall short. I think he's a little bit of fool's gold, uh, but I think the other big names in the game are, are going to be right around there. Yeah, I think that the two guys that come to my mind of absolute fool's gold this week are Cameron Smith. I can't believe I'm saying it, but he doesn't uh, drive whoa, it well whoa. enough. Look at his U.S. Open results. They're terrible. He doesn't drive it well enough, and Jordan Speed doesn't drive it well enough either, T-Dub. Those are my two guys that I would fade heavily this week. You know, guys, I, I, I am going to go against Kobe uh, Fitzpatrick's pick. I think the fact that he did win the USAM here and the fact that he's probably playing the best golf of his career, I think are going to uh, pull dividends. So I'm going to go against him there. But, I mean, I'm exactly spot on for the Cam Smith pick. I, I think that he's not going to have a very good week, just like you mentioned. He does not drive the ball well enough. The swing gets too loosey-goosey. And heaven forbid, even if he does somewhat get into contention, I, I think that he would have a, a, a bad stretch on Saturday or Sunday because he could shoot 77-78. Or, like we saw in the first round of, uh, of RBC last week, he, he shot like 76-77 with, no, uh, with no birdie. So, yep. uh, I, I think that he's definitely someone to look out for. I mentioned – on the radio show uh, on Sunday, I think that Morikawa is kind of one of those guys that may be a little bit full of gold as well, and, and, and I'll agree with that just because, like we said, he just hasn't had the recent form. It's there's a lot of guys in the world that are just playing better than him, and so and you look at it too, he's just been kind of like he always does. He's a good iron player. He's just not been able to take as much advantage uh, as he used to, and, and the putters have been there. His last uh, last four strokes played against guys. He's lost over half a stroke putting, or I guess at the Memorial, he lost point four, but uh, he lost two strokes around the green to take up for that. So, not gaining as many strokes approach as, as you would like, guys. Maybe some of these other events see it, but I, I don't know. I, I just for some reason, guys, or Woody, I'm I'm kind of fading more cowards. 
Well, I, I tend to agree with you. Those guys I named earlier, as I was looking at them, were probably jump to that list. I'm still not told on Patrick Cantley yet on a major. He has a, he's shown me some unbelievable golf, but he really hasn't done it to majors. And so I think there's a little fool's gold there. But uh, the guy that, that the fool's gold will be Shopley because he's going to get there. He's going to look like he's going to win. He's going to find him some way to back up and lose. So. Um, so he, that wouldn't be fool's gold, but I don't look for Chopley to pull it off either. So you guys are hitting the nail on the head. I think you're pretty much on who we need to watch this week. And, uh, but it's U.S. Open. Remember my logo. It's squarely. Woody, I, I couldn't disagree more on Shoffley. He's, he's had, what, what is it now? In the last six years, he's finished in the top ten uh, in the U.S. Open, right? No chance last to win, five years, though. Top seven. He can't win. No, but this I week, this week I, he's gained, I, he, I mean, this week, coming into this week, he's gaining uh, over half a shot off the tee and .79 strokes gained approach. And so what I'm saying is Shoffley I think, will have an amazing week this week, but he's not in my picks. He just didn't quite cracked the lineup he's honorable mention this week i never thought i would <laughs> see the day mention. i never thought i would see the day guys where i'm on the shoffley bandwagon but off the cam smith bandwagon uh, that is really well, shocking go ahead woody i didn't say i didn't say he wasn't gonna play good okay i said he was gonna play good he wasn't gonna win okay, okay? i got you and maybe he needs to talk to our doctor that we're gonna have on because something happens to that boy down the club uh, you know, it's that wall he, of wind. <laughs> the wall of wind. He, well, you can say he won the Olympics, but that isn't a major, okay? Yep. Until until he closes a major, I'm gonna just keep saying he's a good, great player. Not good player, great player. Consistent as all get out. Hey, win, baby, just win. Greater. Okay. I want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. We need to see Xander Schauffele win a full-field cut event, which he has not done, individual event, which he has not done in a long time. Of course, did win the Zurich with Patrick Cantlay earlier this year. Guys, it is time to get to our guest. We want to welcome to the 73rd now hole now Dr. Seth Hickerson. Uh, Dr. Seth, we appreciate you taking some time for us. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are y'all doing? Doing great, doing great. We really appreciate you uh, taking some time for us. Just wanted you to kind of introduce yourself to our listeners, kind of tell them a little bit uh, about what you do, your process, and, and how you came to be where you are in your career. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll try to move quick. So, again, thanks for having me. I'm Dr. Seth Hickerson. I'm CEO and founder of My Steady Mind, which is a cognitive fitness training company. So, uh, my background, two branch military veteran, Navy and Air Force. I used to be a really good athlete back in my day, football, basketball, baseball player. Um, Wasn't always the the smartest, most mentally fit person around, so I kind of partied myself out of scholarship opportunities back in the day. So that's why I'm passionate about what I teach now, you know, teaching athletes how to manage their emotions on and off the field, how to stay calm in chaos, how to be present, and all that good stuff. But, yeah, two-branch military veteran uh, overseas for five years, um, master's in sports psychology, doctorate in educational leadership i'm also a cscs certified strength conditioning specialist and so i've been training you know military special operations maybe seals uh athletes for 15 years on on how to control basically their thoughts and their breath you know how to stay calm and present in the moment uh, how to control your your nervous system and things when when pressure's on and so i turned it into a online course that uh anybody can learn how to take anybody that's interested in learning how to reduce stress and improve performance and 
that's what I do. Work with quite a bit of golfers because it's a, as we know, it's a mental game, but most of them don't know how to train mentally. So I help them out. Dr. Seth, obviously we worked a lot together back when I was playing competitive golf and I'm really excited for this interview for you to kind of share with our listeners the importance of a process. I think that's the number one thing that I took out of my time working with you. And, and, you know, obviously we've seen uh, guys like Amito Pereira kind of struggle under pressure, you know, in the, in the PGA Mm -hmm. under certain situations um, that you don't get to practice, right? You you aren't ever able to practice those situations. So if I'm just, a competitive golfer say a high school golfer here in Oklahoma and I struggle once Mm -hmm. I get under pressure number one is there a way to practice it and number two explain the importance of the process yeah and process process and routines you know those are the most important things and the thing I like to help athletes understand is I'm a high performance coach when it comes to performance and athletes just like soldiers there's only there's three ways you can train you can train physically so that's your lifting weights and your your exercises, you can train technically. So that's the technique, the technical aspects of your game, chipping, putting, you know, um, woods, whatever. And then you can train mentally and mentally is the most important. And most athletes don't know how to train mentally. They think the physical stuff does it, but it just doesn't. And what, what happened on the, you know, that, that with uh, people that choke and fall apart on, on clutch holes, what they do is they start time traveling, you know, in their minds. And I know you and I talked about that is they get up on a hole and they, they start thinking, okay, if I don't, if I don't par this hole, I'm going to lose, or I need a birdie here to do that, or I hope I don't bo- double bogey, and it pulls you out of the moment. It pulls you out of being present over the tee shot, and then what happens is we're starting to perceive a future event as a threat, and so our brain doesn't know that. It just knows we're threatened, so the sympathetic nervous system engages. Now, all of a sudden, I'm in fight or flight. I'm feeling anxious, and it's hard to pull the trigger and hit a good tee shot when I'm tight and when I'm anxious and when I'm, when I'm in sympathetic nervous state, so it's you have to have routines and controls. We call them, as you know, your ECR, your emotional control routine. So three things that the, the, the golfer does in the, the morning or throughout the day to get your mind right, to get your energy right. And then you have IERs, intermittent energy, like the BAMO breath, which I'm sure you remember. And those are things that you use in the moment when you have awareness that I'm starting to maybe time travel in my mind or I'm starting to get anxious. It's all about learning how to control our thoughts which control our mind and control our breath which controls our nervous system and how do i play a whole round of golf in parasympathetic state rest and digest as opposed to hustling and scrambling around in sympathetic fight or flight and yeah, dr seth it's kind of on those similar lines of performance i feel like one of the hardest things that i dealt with when i played was being able to focus for the full 18 holes you know if you're playing yeah. a competitive round you're out there for five hours sometimes right. even longer let alone mm-hmm. the 36 hole day or even like guys at the U.S. Open playing 70 holes, or I guess the guys like on the lift playing 54 holes. But, right. uh, you know, how are you able to, you know, not only stay focused for the shot, but be able to make sure that your mem- your mind doesn't get fatigued over the course of an 18-hole round or a 72-hole tournament? Yeah, one of the most powerful things is meditation, you know. I mean, meditation is a powerful tool to help with that mental energy because that's what, that's what happens. Focus requires energy. Every single thought a person has requires energy. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is, this concept of mental energy. And when you're trying in golf, as we know, is an extremely focused sport. And so if you're struggling, maintaining focus, meaning you don't have a lot of cognitive endurance or cognitive capacity, maybe because your thoughts are all over the place while you're trying to focus, that makes it really difficult. This is what leads to burnout, emotional exhaustion, everything, because the human brain just can't sustain the levels of focus we think we can put on it. So if you want to be better at having more mental energy, um, there's a lot of different tactics you can use, like thought-stopping techniques. You can use focus dots. 
but generally what you want to do from a cognitive fitness and a mental training standpoint is it's just like your physical workout. You know, if you want to be strong, you have to do your little physical workout every day. If you want to hit your irons, Chris, you got to go to the range every day. So if you want to have your mind in Chris, you got to do some kind of mental training every day. And it all starts with the emotional control routine, which is three exercises. This is all the people I work with. I teach them how to create an emotional control routine. Just a simple little three things that they do in the morning to help get that mental energy right, to start to fill up that mental gas tank so that you can go. It's all about getting into flow state or the zone. And so this is what I teach athletes. So you, you golfers, right, every athlete knows what it's like to be in the zone or flow state, right? I'm sure you guys have experienced it. So how the, exactly. So how the zone works or what flow state is, it's just this perfect balance of relaxed awareness. Okay. And if we take a golfer and if they go play 10 rounds of golf over an untrained one that doesn't know how to train mentally, and if they go play 10 rounds over 10 days, they're going to be in the zone two out of those 10 matches or 10 rounds. They may not know which one, but that's just the way our mind and our body works if we don't train mentally. So it just happens about 20% of the time. And it, the zone just means an athlete is in their best, they're hitting their best physical, mental, emotional, psychological performance. They have this ability to be relaxed and aware in flow state. So if you don't train, it'll happen 20% of the time. If you train mentally, it happens 80% of the time because you just live in the zone. You know, the SEALs and stuff I train, they're, not, they're in the zone eating breakfast. They don't have to get in the zone before they go on a mission. Right, and so athletes have to understand that same thing. You know, it's all about in, it's all about probability, never perfection. But what can I do to increase the probability of more better outcomes than bad ones? And it all comes down to whether or not you have a a mental training routine that you do, you know, most days ideally. And that's what you're doing because you're learning to condition your nervous system, like breathing techniques, box breathing, things like that. All that's doing is teaching you how to toggle between sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So that you're reconditioning your nervous system to just stay at the steadier state. Um, and so does that make sense? That's what you're trying to help people do. I want you to be in the zone every round you go play, not just two out of ten. And self-help books don't do it. Motivational speakers don't do it. You have to worry. You have to train. You know, just like I can't read a book and get bigger arms. i got to lift the weight. Hey, Doc, this is Jim Woodward. I am. Uh... I played on the tour in the early 90s, and Bob Rotella was oh, a yeah. sports psychologist yep, at yep. that time. Yep. I remember him telling me one time, and I, don't, I didn't always believe it, but I guess it's true, and I'm going to ask your confirmation. He told me one time that my brain doesn't decipher between do's and don'ts. What it does mm-hmm. is if I stand on a tee and I say don't hit it in the water, yep. it hears water. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't hear. Don't hit it in the water. He yeah. said you'd be better off standing on the first tee and go, boy, don't hit the fairway. No matter what you do, don't hit the fairway. Mm-hmm. Is that, that true? Yeah. It, our brain is an action. Our brain is an action wow. organism. All our brain wants to do. So there's a neurological process called SIA, and I'll nerd out just a little bit here. So this neurological process is stimulus creates a thought, thought creates an emotion, emotion is energy and motion, and that drives action. So if I want to be in control of my actions, I have to be in control of my thoughts. If I have a negative thought, I'm going to have a negative emotion and a negative action. If I have a positive thought, I'm going to have a positive emotion and positive action. And the brain, like I said, it's just a supercomputer. Every word is an instruction, and it, it just wants to take action. So when I was in grad school at Tennessee, we demonstrated this point. I take I worked with some of the place kickers, and we'd hook, we'd take them in. We had a big bioelectrical uh, biofeedback lab that we could train athletes in. 
and I'd take a, a kicker, you know, or somebody, and we'd hook them up to all the electrodes, and we could lay there and say, all right, James, like, I want you to start to visualize you got a 25-yard field goal to beat Florida. You know, you're down by two points. There's 10 seconds. You're at Nayland Stadium, 110,000 people, and you got a 25-yard field goal to beat Florida. Now, in your mind, what I want you to do is start to say things like, don't, don't miss it left. Don't miss it left. Don't kick it left. Just think that in your mind. Just say it in your mind. Don't move your body. And what you would see was by him thinking that it was so to prepare to fire the muscles required for him to kick the ball left. So it starts to prep him. It starts to prime him just by you thinking that very subtly. But now what that means is when he takes his first step, he's in a flawed position. It's increasing the probability he's going to kick it left. Now if he were to lay there and say, I want you to kick it right down the middle, kick it that nice and straight, your leg is a cannon, you can see it was the brain and the body are starting to fire the, the muscles so that he kicks the ball straight. So it's like any caddy, any golfer, should you should you when you're standing over there, the only thing you should be thinking is what you want the ball to do, you know, right down the middle, right side of the fairway. Don't ever – I hate when caddies say, hey, there's water here on the left and there's a trap up there, and they tell you where all the trouble's at, right? You don't even know where that's at. Elite golfers, and I know Sam has done this when I've worked with him, but when you train and, and as much as you all train and put in the time and effort, the way your brain and body is, when you get up there on the tee box and you look out down the fairway and you just identify where you want the ball to go, your brain and body knows exactly what needs to happen to make that work. It's when we start thinking and adding these, it's like this, there's like this perfect internet connection because you've trained so much. Your body, when you say, I want the ball to go right there, your brain and body knows exactly. So what we want to do is you know, take a deep breath or do something, minimize thoughts, walk up, pull the trigger and trust it and go. But what we start to do is we start to say things like, okay, now there's water on the left. I need to make sure I keep my right arm. That, that internet, you know, connection is getting bogged down. And now when you go up there to pull the trigger, you know, it's uh, offline. And so, it's, you know, every single thought we have is an instruction for our body. And so it's important for people to understand that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because golf, that's all. I, yeah. yeah, no, you golf game, you only got time to think. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. yeah, it's fascinating yeah. stuff. I uh, love hearing you talk about this stuff. I'm going to go back and listen to this before I play my next round. I wanted to ask you, as we come into the U.S. Open this week, I wanted to ask you about compartmentalizing because that's something mm-hmm. that elite athletes have to do, and that's something that's going yep. to be especially important this week when the lead-up to the tournament has been much less about the golf and much more oh, about, yeah. about what's happening in the world of golf. If you're, yep. a, if you're a Phil Mickelson, you know, Phil mm-hmm. went through what had to have been the most uncomfortable 20 minutes of his life on Monday in that press conference. He's been getting shredded since then. How does, how does a guy compartmentalize and push that to the side and just focus on golf for four and a half, five hours without any of that stuff creeping in? Yeah. Well, the first thing I'd tell you, and I'm sure Bill Mickelson probably does a whole lot of the stuff we're talking about mental training. You know, I know he, he works on this and I'd say one of the first things he probably also does if he's smart, I'm sure he is, is, limit your time and attention you're spending on stuff outside of your control, meaning news, you know, try not to participate, try not to watch, try to, you know, try to not get caught up in all that that's floating around out there. Now I know that's much easier said than done. And I can only imagine how difficult it is for a person like that, but he knows like every other offer knows in this whole situation, the only thing he has control over is Phil himself, you know, and he has to just try to stay as calm as he can not take the bait. We know people get lured into, you know, trying to stir up controversy and stir up. I mean, every athlete that's had any kind of media training, we know that, right? And and that's why having tools to help you with your own thoughts and emotion, that's what cognitive fitness does. It teaches you how to control your own 
thoughts and emotions when you're in an environment that is, you know, set up to see you fail or screw up. And it just takes hyper diligent, um, what I call metacognition, thinking about your thinking. Because you know when he's at that podium and he gets asked a question, he may not know what question's coming. And you probably know what his knee-jerk thought or response is that he actually wants to say. But what he's doing is he's pausing. He's breathing. You could see him multiple times. I watch those interviews and I watch what they're doing, how they're pausing. And what they're doing is they can feel their sympathetic nervous system engaging because they're irritated. Take a deep breath. You know, I think Phil even chews that CBD gum. You know, <laughs> he does things <laughs> to try to help him, you know, not be so quick to answer questions. And so it's just, it really is. It's, a, it's like a dance, you know, um, and it's real hard to do. And, and that's why this stuff that we teach and that we talk about at My Steady Mind is is so important. You know, how do you control your thoughts and your emotions, not just on the golf course, but, you know, in front of the press or meeting with sponsors or all those things. It's really, really, it's really, really difficult. And that's why a lot of people don't make it, you know, a hundred percent. Seth, And, and, just thank you so much for spending the time that we have today. We're, we're out of time today, but Seth, before we get we, before we go, I, I do want to uh, let our listeners know where they can get my steady mind if they whether they're an athlete yeah. or not, and 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 yeah. you know a CEO that wants to you know give speeches or, or just even a normal yeah. person that wants to improve their life. Where can they find my steady mind? Yeah, it's mysteadymind.com. They can go right to the website. We you know uh, individuals or organizations can do our training at the a nine module online course it's credited through national academy of sports medicine you get a certificate of completion so any any individual athlete or person out there that's wanting to learn how to train like you know the top elite do mentally go to my steady mind you can just purchase the course on there um on the website and and get through it you know it's just like the mental gym it's going to give you all these tips and techniques um on how to stay calm during chaos and then uh if you're an organization, we do it, you know, we, we work with groups, you know, like uh, NASA and some big law enforcement agencies. So anybody that has a lot of stress and volatility, if you're looking for a good tool to help your employees, you know, thrive, um, we can work with organizations too. Um, so they can reach out to me also, Seth, at My Steady Mind with any questions. And, uh, yeah, we just, we just want to help everybody out. We know it's a stressful world out there and people are looking for tools and We've got some good ones. Dr. Seth Hickerson joining us here on the 73rd hole. We so appreciate your time. Uh, Fascinating stuff. Can't wait to watch the U.S. Open this week and see how these guys uh, perform mentally on on what is the toughest test in golf every single year. Yeah. When you watch it, watch and watch how they're trying to breathe and watch their stuff talk. You'll start to see them. You know, a lot of them trying to practice some of the things we're talking about. So, yeah, this is the ultimate test, and and it's fun to watch for the the golf and for the, the mental aspect. So. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Uh, go help somebody get better. <laughs> I'm going to. Thank you all. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Dr. This is Dr. Seth Hickerson joining us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. We're going to take a break, come back on the other side, preview the U.S. Open. We've got picks, DraftKings, one and dones, best bets, the works, previewing the game's toughest test on the other side. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. 
McCray Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McCray Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McCray Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McCray Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRayRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. Rolling along here on the 73rd Hall, having a good time. Appreciate Dr. Seth Hickerson taking some time for us. Uh, fascinating to hear him talk about just kind of the way the brain works, the way the mind works, all this stuff, and how that relates to the game of golf. Uh, guys, the USGA had a very long press conference this morning. Mike Wan, you look at the transcript, just his introductory statement. His introductory statement was 3,300 words. That was the introductory statement from Mike Wan before we got to any of the questions. And then he did answer uh, some questions, a lot of them about live, a few about kind of a developmental league that they're getting into, uh, one or two about distance, which was discussed uh, somewhat. And I actually kind of like what I heard from him about distance today. Uh, but Taylor, I know you were dialed in to the Mike Wan press conference. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from what the USGA CEO had to say this morning? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things I took away from it, guys, is Mike Wan's got it going on, dude. He knows what's supposed to happen. I, I feel like, and, and I don't want to try to pick favorites or anything like that, but I feel like that the PJ Tour would be in a lot better shape if Mike Wan was running as opposed to Jay Monahan. I just see the difference in composure, the difference that he talks about, how much thrill and enjoyment he has for golf. I think the USGA is in a very, very, very good place going forward, maybe the best that it's been of all time. I, with I Mike second Wan. that. I second that. Mike Wan's phenomenal. I love listening to him talk. He's absolutely, and he did marvelous work on the LPJ tour. We can't overshadow that at all. He's done absolutely great there and helping make the USGA more of a global thing than this as opposed to the United States. And he even mentioned it a little bit at press conference, how there's a, a brand awareness issue. You know, he talked about he was on the, the airplane and people would ask him, you know, what does the USGA do? And it's, you know, it's pretty funny when you think about it. Obviously, us guys being inside the ropes, we're kind of well familiar with what the USGA does and what they're a part of and all the decisions they make. But, the average call or the average uh, golf fan doesn't, and so I think that that's very interesting. It seems like you're going to get a little bit more, uh, you know, out there, let people know what they're doing. And one of the biggest things I took away from it, guys, is that you know they talked about creating. I'm going to get my term wrong here, but like a, a developmental league kind of type of thing for for the United States. You know, it's it pretty funny. You got asked the question after he made this announcement if, if Canada and Mexico would be a part of it because the USGA holds a lot of stuff over North America, and Mike Wong was like. Canada and Mexico, they already have these things. You know, we're actually going to them to try to see how they're doing things. You know, one of the examples he made was like the Swedish national team would bring players over to get them to know college coaches and stuff like that. And, and there was also the analogy of uh, when we heard Tiger Woods at his uh, his Hall of Fame induction talked about how, you know, him and his mom and dad had to sit down and have a very tough conversation about, you know, just trying to play golf is financially stressful. So they ended up taking up the second mortgage, which is, you want to talk about stressful and needing our, our, our man, Dr. Seth, to get through that stuff. I mean, that is that's, – that's, that's what the families deal with that you don't see, you know, a lot of times with the, the rich elite that some golf can get. So helping grow on that aspect as well 
it's just absolutely exceptional. Now going back to the, the distance stuff, which was kind of my main takeaway from it, besides the fact that reporters kept asking uh, about stupid live, but it seemed like what he proposed was actually somewhat was probably the best case scenario for someone who's actually completely against the distance fan. Probably the best case scenario. He overly had mentioned, you know, we're not going to take this away from the, the amateurs, the, the 18, 20 handicappers. We're not going to hurt them. We're going to institute, you know, kind of local rules, that type of thing, make the sweet spot, sweet spot smaller on the driver, you know, kind of make the ball back the testing and all that stuff. So I, I actually, I actually somewhat agreed with what I heard on that. And I, I think that, for me, Woody, it's not even necessarily that the ball goes too far now, but I think it goes too straight. So, you know, if we can somewhat sort that out, I do think there is a place. Well, I didn't feel like it at the time. I think there is a place for maybe on the PJ Tour in the highest level of golf to have a little bit of dialing in that. Yeah, he was interesting about that. I think I think what I took from it, uh, guys, what I, I kind of like seeing for the longest time, uh, the USGA walked around in their blazers and their, their ties and their white shirts, and they were pompous. And and they were also kind of had a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, they got kind of humbled these last few times that they really did some bad course setups, and they, they looked bad is what they did. They looked really stupid. And so it seemed like this bunch, especially Juan, he's coming in as the new CEO guy, he seemed more humble. He seemed more like he wanted to to make golf more universal and wanted it to be better. He just didn't seem as pompous as all these other guys have seen over the years. And I might have just a little bit of a up my butt after all the years I saw him. And I just I wasn't a big USGA fan because of that. And I I see a different USGA about. And I think it's refreshing. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he runs the organization. Which way to go? Yeah, we hear Mike Wan talk one time, and we already like him more than Mike Davis. Uh, I mean, Mike Wan, I listened to his introductory like interview on PGA Tour Radio. I was like in New Mexico or Colorado or something. I was in a 10-hour car I remember ride. you telling me about yes, this. Yes, and yeah. I listened to it, and I came back, and I was like, guys, this Mike Wan guy, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Like, I really like yeah. Mike Wan. I'm excited for Mike Wan, and it's kind of like you said, Woody. He just... <laughs> He goes up there, he seems like a normal guy who just loves the yep. game of golf, wants what's best for the game of golf, uh, and it was very refreshing to, to listen to him talk earlier today. So, uh, great stuff from Mike Wan. We ready to get into some picks? Let's do it. All right, here we go. DraftKings, uh, do we not, did anybody have success last week, DraftKings-wise? I cast last week. Taylor Cast, you're up yep. first. I've done the same every single week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we got, uh, got draft teams on the, on the phone, man. I mean, it's been absolutely ridiculous how long my man Sam been out of contention here. So I'm going to go ahead and lead us off here. Hopefully I can get my, my stats pulled up here. I have the old Colby. I have my stat and I lost it type of thing. But I know who I got at 6,700. I was going to shout him out. That's Ryan Fox. I mean, he's been playing some great golf over on the DP World Tour where Justin Johnson is apparently going to be making his stay along with the live. So I, I really like Ryan Fox. He's, he's a little bit inaccurate off the tee box, guys, so I am slightly worried about that. But he, he's driving the ball so far that it's almost diluting that. So And I feel like with some of these holes, he might be able to hit some irons off of it. So I think Ryan Fox is a good 6,700 kind of cheap play to go, guys. Well, my cheapest pick is going to be uh, 6,900 Kevin Kisner. And, you know, going with my strategy of picking all great drivers of the golf ball, this is the one that didn't really fit in. I just think he's playing the best golf out of those guys at the high six uh, six thousands on DraftKings right now. Um, so, you know, to me, I, I think that 
Kevin Kisner could be brought into this major where he's not at a place like Torrey Pines, Colby. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Uh, I'm going Denny McCarthy at 6,700. Denny McCarthy's never played the U.S. Open. Doesn't totally bother me. You look at individual stroke play events, you have to go back to the WM Phoenix Open to find his last missed cut. He's played in 10 events since then. Before that, you have to go back to the Shriners in October, early October, uh, to find his, his second most recent missed cut. So he's just playing good, steady golf, fifth place finish at the Memorial, uh, which I like coming in on some form. So I'll take Denny McCarthy at 6,700. And then for my next one, I'm going to jump up to a guy who's just been playing great golf and it's time that I threw him in the lineup. How about Davis Riley? At 7,300. Fifth in Mexico. These are his last five starts. Fifth in Mexico. Ninth at the AT&T Byron Nelson. Thirteenth at the PGA. And that's with a disappointing finish on the weekend. Fourth at Charles Schwab. Thirteenth at Memorial with a 75 on Sunday. Davis Riley is playing some great golf. He's a ball striker. I expect him to have success this week at the Country Club. Guys, I just made a change to my DraftKings lineup as I was scrolling through here. Late change. We forgot somebody. So, I am going from 6,900 to 6,000. 6,800. Give me Wyndham Clark, who finished tied for seventh last week at 6,800. You know, the driving stats aren't necessarily there with Wyndham, but he did play really solid golf uh, last week. And so I think that Wyndham Clark at 6,800, you're just trying to find a guy with current form, uh, and he definitely has that, T-Dub. Guys, I had to break it to you. I have literally no service here. So I, I'm going to give out my next pick. I have no stats on it. 7,600, Sung J.M. I know he's my next cheapest. <laughs> but I have literally no idea who I picked after that. So y'all go next. <laughs> Hopefully I'll have some internet packages. All right, Taylor will uh, effort to, to rejoin us in our DraftKings pool here. Uh, at least I hope you have your one-and-done picks off the top of your head when we do those next. Sam, who's your next uh, most expensive? So my next most expensive is Harold Varner the third. Harold Varner the third has been hitting the ball so well. He's gaining all almost a half shot on the field strokes gained approach. Um, And as I pull up, since I wasn't expecting T-Dub to not have his picks ready, I always kind of go through and look at the stats on each guy, make sure I got it right. Uh, So yeah, Harold Varner III, uh, recently, guys. I mean, he's finished 13th, 27th, 4th, 3rd, 23rd, 18th. You know, he's playing really solid golf right now. Um, and at 7, what was it, 7,300? Uh, Colby, I think that he's kind of a steal yeah, at, he's been at that steady. number. He's been very steady. I'm going to jump up for my next one to 7,800 to a guy that I think a lot of people have forgotten about because of one hole at Southern Hills. That's Mito Pereira. It all went wrong for Mito on the 72nd hole. He was one good golf swing off the tee away from being a major champion. Also, he missed the cut at the players. Here are his starts since then. 27th at Valspar, 13th at Valero, 26th, 17th, 3rd at the PGA, and then even since the collapse of the PGA, he finished 7th at Charles Schwab, 13th at the Memorial. Mito Pereira is playing great golf. Don't discount him just because it all went wrong on one hole at Southern Hills. And then how about my guy Sam Burns, who you can get for 8300 this week? Sam Burns is playing some of the best golf in the world. Does it worry you he's not great off the tee? He gets the job done with the irons and around the greens and on the greens. I'm hoping that current form outweighs that. Okay. I am. I'm hoping that current form outweighs that for Sam Burns. I think 
think that there's a decent chance it does. Uh, he won the Valspar, uh, second at Zurich, which is a team event. You can throw that away if you want to, but top 20 at the PGA, won the Charles Schwab, fourth last week in Canada. He's on form, playing the best golf of his career. I like Sam Burns at 8,300. Well, my next cheapest is 8500 This guy definitely has a chance to win the golf tournament this week. That's Matthew Fitzpatrick, seven top tens, 11 of 14 made cuts, and he's having the best driving year of his career, Colby. I mean, obviously, we've known Mr. Skill is his nickname, Mr. right? Mr. Skill. And, and everything, but he's gaining .78 shots off the tee, almost a full shot off the tee so far this year as opposed to like half a shot last year, .3, .2, .09, and then .15. He's He's literally improved every single year off the tee. Um, and this is a course where he won the USAM in 2013. So to me, and he's gaining over half a shot strokes gained approach as well. This is a no-brainer pick, especially on DraftKings when you can get him for 8500 All right, let's give this a shot. Taylor, are you with us? I, I've got some of my stats here, and I'm, I'm still working on getting the rest. I'll go back to my man, Sung J.M., 7,600. Um, you know, the last, what, eight weeks, guys, he's been able to make the cut, finish 10th in Memorial, 15th at the Charles Schwab, 14th in, in the uh, the team event down down at uh, Louisiana. So, yeah, I definitely like Sungjae at 7,600. I think he's the steal. And then and then I'm also on with uh, with the 8,500 Matthew Fitzpatrick that Sam is. I mean, what I mentioned earlier, he won at um, one when his U.S. Amateur 2013 there. And then, guys, you look at it, too, he's uh, – I want to make sure I get this right. He's six out of seven on cuts made in the U.S. Open. So got, got a good feel here. And last three of the last four weeks, guys, actually you go back and you look back on it. So uh, eight, or I'm sorry, six of the last eight weeks he finished inside the top 20. So definitely love Matthew Fitzpatrick just like you do, Sam. All right, well, then I am going to go with another guy that I think could win this golf tournament. That's Victor Hovland. 16 of 17 made cuts. His only missed cut uh, was in Phoenix. Uh, and, guys, seven top tens, 9,700 on DraftKings. He is one of those guys like a Matthew Fitzpatrick that is just such a solid ball striker. And with the small fairways and small greens, you'll see at Brookline, heavy rough. I got to go with guys that I know can put the ball in the fairway. And Victor Hovland, I know, will put the ball in the fairway and on the greens more than most guys will in this golf tournament. And he's having the best putting year of his career. If he can hit the irons well, he will finish top 10 in this golf tournament. All right. That's, uh, again, I'm, I'm out on Hovland at majors until he shows me, but you never know he's a great player he could pop up at any point i'm gonna go to the guy who pretty much exclusively plays his best golf at major championships how about will zalatoris at 9300 sixth at the masters this year second at the pga actually since the match play here are his finishes fifth at the match play sixth at the masters fourth at zurich which is the team event so then he misses the cut at the byron nelson comes out the very next week runner up at the pga Misses the cut at Charles Schwab after he loses the uh, playoff to Justin Thomas. Fifth last week, uh, or pardon me, two weeks ago at the Memorial. Still feeling really good about Will Zalatoris at 9,300. Three U.S. Opens. He's got two missed cuts, and then he finished sixth at Wingfoot. So uh, I don't know what to, to make of that at U.S. Opens. Uh, but I think current form and just the fact that for whatever reason, his putter works better in majors than it does in non-major weeks. I'm going to run out Will Zalatoris this week. Uh, and then my most expensive, this is a uh, a combination of a guy who plays U.S. Opens pretty well here recently and current form. 
How about Rory McIlroy? <laughs> Let, let's, let's not overthink it, guys. Go and chalk. Runner up at the Masters. Top five at Wells Fargo. Top 10 at the PGA. Uh, a, a really kind of disappointing top 20 at the Memorial. Finishes 18th after a Sunday 74. Wins the RBC Canadian Open last week. This is very much just me trying not to miss the layup. Top 10 three years in a row at the U.S. Open. Good at U.S. Opens. Current form. Don't miss the layup. Rory Does the McElroy. wind bother you at all with Rory? Um, man, he's playing so well right now. I just, I, I think he's dialed in. I think he is dialed in as, as well as we've seen it in a long time from Rory. Uh, so I'm just, uh, again, I would, I would hate to not have him in there. And then he plays well again this week, and I go, you idiot! He's playing great every yeah. week. What are you doing? So ten thousand five hundred. I'm, I'm going to go with Rory. Well, guys, I am going with the guy that we should all be talking about as the absolute favorite this week, but we're not. There's a lot of talk about Rory, a lot of talk about JT, talk about Fitzpatrick. We should be talking about John Rahm. John Rahm will win this golf tournament, guys, and it's because he is the best driver of the golf ball on tour, in my opinion, so far this year, gaining 1.22 shots off the tee, over half a shot strokes gained approach, and he's struggled so far this year on the greens, but the thing I love about the stats that say at the Memorial, he gained 1.45, almost a shot and a half on the greens at the Memorial. You might look at that tie for 10th finish and not realize how well he putted. So all facets of the game for John Rahm are right there for the taking at Brookline. And and to me, it's the most obvious choice in the world. John Rahm's going to win the U.S. Open back-to-back years. Taylor, round out yours for us. All right, so I still don't have all my helix in front of me, but I at least have my lineup, so, so that's good. So going back around the week, 7,100, I think Justin Rose is a really good pick this week as a value play. Played really good at the U.S. Open five of the last uh, six years. He's been able to make the cut, all of which have been inside the top 30. So definitely definitely like him and also should have shot about 58 last week at, at Canada and shot 60. So that was I a sneaky choke, him. by the way. Sneaky choke by Justin Rose. <laughs> it, was. it was. I don't know if it was sneaky. I thought it was a choke. Bogey two of the last three to shoot 60. That's sneaky choke from Justin Rose. Go ahead, Taylor. Yeah, well, it was very sneaky. And, and, and so I just want to make sure, you know, he said it started back in 2019, 10th, and 2018, so I kind of I kind of misread what I said earlier. But that definitely, and also one at Marion, which is maybe not the exact same type of course, but pretty close. So then my last two picks, guys, I got him. Xander Shoffley I've been talking about all the time. I think Woody's a little against Shoffley, but I really like him, 12 of 14 on cuts for the year. And, and we already mentioned the U.S. Open record. So definitely going to ride Shoffley in the DraftKings. And then my most expensive guy is definitely not going to be the only one. Colby's already on him, not much to say. Rory McIlroy, 10,500. I, I, I think he's going to win at least this tournament or the British Open. I'm going to go ahead and save him in the one and done for the Open Championship. But it would not stop me one bit if he won this tournament, man. Yeah, it's just, again, he's playing so well. The form is there. Uh, he's been good in U.S. Opens. I, I did – there was a noticeable omission from all of our lineups, and that's Brooks Kepka, who at the last four years at the U.S. Open, first, first, second, and fourth. Well, not the last four years. The last four times he's played, right. he did not play in 2020 uh, at Wingfoot. But, yeah, four four – Years in a row. The form's just not there for it's me. It's just not there. I mean, recent results from Brooks Kepka, 55th at the PGA, uh, withdrew from the Byron Nelson, missed cut at the Masters, uh, did finish top five at the match play, got all the way down to the uh, the quarters at the match play. So, uh, Sam, can you tell me why this week is significant, more significant than other weeks in our one-and-done pool? Uh, because it's the U.S. Open? Because the U.S. Open, number one, winner, winner <laughs> takes $3.15 million, $17.5 million purse, I think. 
It is significant, Sam, because right now, in a pool of 128 people, you and I sit next to each other in the standings. Wow. It ranked what? I am 46th. You are 47th. Okay. We, we are both a mere 2.2 million dollars from the top 10. Wow. A lot of money being handed out this week at the U.S. Open. Uh, I could try to see where Taylor is at, my scroller. I have a question, by the way, about one and done real quick. You don't have enough time to scroll down that far, Cope. Uh, 111th, Taylor. When's that heater coming you keep talking about? It's either going to come this week or it's going to come in like five years. I'm not real sure, but I'm sure I can open it sooner rather than later because it's been a little ridiculous up to this point, guys. <laughs> I have a question. I wasn't in the one and done last year, so I don't know this answer. Do I need to save a solid player for the Tour Championship? Uh, I mean, like, what do you get? Not, for no, not if you're trying to win money. Yeah, I mean, yes, you want to have somebody around for the tour championship, but you kind of like, don't. Should I save Scheffler for the tour championship? Uh, I mean, that's probably what I'm doing at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been he's been there or for do so I long. Play him, would you rather play him at a British Open or a tour champ? Like, who? What more? What's the bigger reward? Uh, I mean, you're going to get more money. It's 20% like, of the... you get 10 million or 15, whatever it no, is? No, it's 20%. So you okay. get, yeah, you'll, you'll uh, get about 2.8 mil for the tour championship. Okay. Yeah, and you get 3.15 this week if you pick the winner. So, uh, yeah. And, and look, a bunch of guys that I really like this week, I don't have available in the one and done. John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, I don't have available in the one and done. Which so is, you just that's you why, make do. That's why we should do our one, two, three dark horse picks now uh, with Woody. Okay, let's do we those. Before done. we do that, I want to remind everybody to go see our good friends at Quell Creek Bank. If you're a small business owner looking for a bank that understands your unique financial needs, Quell Creek Bank. If you want to develop a relationship with a banker who knows you and your family by name, that is their mission at Quell Creek Bank. They are a family. They consider their customers part of that family, too. Go experience the difference. 122nd and North May in Oklahoma City, 405-755-1000. That's 405 755 1000 go see our good friends at quail creek bank uh woody you had to sit there and listen to us rattle off all of our DraftKings picks so we're gonna go to you first give us uh your one two and three this week in order and then throw us a dark horse outside the top 25 in the official world golf rankings go ahead woody okay so we're gonna start this so i want you guys to listen real closely you know what that is what's that Noggin. It's a what now? That'd be so, that would be a cold beer, boys. And I just fired it up because it's open week. And we need to have a cold beer. <laughs> hey, I, I've already found a three team. white clubs, so I'm on your page. Oh, my it's gosh. It might be a little early. It might be a little early, but it's not too early in New Wall, Oklahoma. Okay. I think I'm going to pick John Rom to win this week. Okay, that's a, that, that's a no-brainer because a lot of people are going to pick John Rahm. Okay, so he's my number one pick. I think Justin Thomas is going to come close again, guys. It's, he's going to be right there again. He's just with bones on the bag. There's just too much going on good with them. Okay. I know the third pick's a little bit funny, but I like Sam Burns. Yep. I like him. He is due to win a major. He's doing everything he needs to do. He's winning golf tournaments. He's He's dang sure going to make our Ryder Cup team now that we lost a couple guys. Uh, so, I mean, I think he is – he's the guy there. Dark horse, because I get called out for this, I usually don't pick a dark horse that's <laughs> not really a dark horse. Or I pick somebody so bad you all laugh at it. But uh, I'm going to go with Kevin Kisner as my dark horse. Okay. Way. 
Kevin Kisner is the dark horse. I like that. Where is he falling in the world rankings right now? He's 32nd in the world, a very solid uh, dark horse. Tyler, go ahead. One, two, three, and a dark horse. I'm going for the winner. I'm going to go Justin Thomas. Um, he, he'll end up being one of my one-and-done picks as well. My second contender, give me Rory McIlroy. I'd be absolutely astonished if he wasn't in the top five or the top ten this week. And then, guys, you know, my dark horse, someone we t- haven't talked about this show, but I think has a fairly decent chance to, to contend. That's Cameron Young. I, yeah. I think we, we mentioned earlier about, about drivers of the golf course. He's one of the best drivers in the world right now. And, you know, he played pretty well at, at Southern Hills as well. So, I, I don't know, guys. I think I think Cameron Young's a pretty good dark horse. I believe he's 31 in the world. So, I, I just barely made the crutch here. I like that. I, I really do. Um, I am going to go winner of the golf tournament, John Rahm. Second, I am going Matthew Fitzpatrick. And third, I am going... Victor Hovland, and then my dark horse is going to be, like I talked about earlier, Harold Varner III. Harold Varner III, I like that. Uh, all right, so numbers one, two, and three for me. Number one, I'm going Rory. It's it's hard to win the week before a major and then back it up with the major win. He's just playing such good golf right now, and he just seems like the, the way he closed last week after making a couple of bogeys and then going birdie, birdie finish, it, it was really impressive to me. So I'm going to go Rory with the win. I'm going to go Will Zalatoris, number two on my picks. Just the putter gets better in major weeks. He, I, I loved every word that came out of his mouth whenever we saw him at the PGA Championship. He talked so much about, look, I want to I want to play well in major championships. You only get four a year. I don't want to look back at the end of my career and think, man, why wasn't I more dialed in for the major weeks? So Will Zalatoris, for some reason, can flip a switch these weeks. I'll take him at number two. At number three, I'm going to go with Justin Thomas, playing great golf. Don't think he goes back-to-back uh, majors with PGA and U.S. Open, but I do think that he is in contention. And then... For my dark horse, I'm going to take the 85th ranked player in the world as my dark horse wow. this week. Guys, Davis Riley being very yes, under-talked about, pick. very underrated. I like Davis Riley to have a top 10 finish this week at the U.S. Open. I like that pick, Colby. I think you undersold Zalatoris getting better in majors weeks on the greens. It, he's only gained shots on the field twice, and that was at the PGA and the Masters on the green so far this year. And, and that's, gained over one shot on the field twice, and that was talking, at the PGA. You're talking about putting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. He puts better in majors. I can't explain it. Guys, I like your picks, and obviously a lot of people will be like, Sam, why aren't you mentioning Rory or JT? It's because I'm trying to win the pool. I'm not trying to you know, pick the same guy as everybody else. That would be no fun, number one. And number two, I think it's a little bit of Scotty Scheffler syndrome we saw at the uh, PGA with yeah. Rory McIlroy. I think it's too good to be true a little bit. Yeah, could could be for sure. I was I will say I was really debating between Cameron Young and Davis Riley as my dark horse. So when Taylor took Cameron Young, that opened the, yeah. uh, the road for me to go down to number 85 in the world rankings. It is one and done time. Uh, we can do these. We can go ahead and do it two at a time, and we'll come back to you, Taylor. Throw out. Uh, this is the week. If you want to move up from 111th in the pool, this is, this the, is week. the week. Do we have a chance to win, by the way, at 40? Uh, absolutely. There's okay. so much money. I could technically still win. Yes. Really? But it's very, very, yes. very long. Time. Okay. Go ahead, Tyler. So, but, yeah, so I'll go on my two picks here, guys. Like like Chloe said, we, we need we need a heater this week. I mean, if you get if you get a first and then a top five, you're going to move up and, and every single pull and, and have a chance to get up there. I already mentioned Justin Thomas. I, I mentioned uh, in our preview show the start of 2022, I thought that JT would win two majors. I was wrong with, with the Masters of PGA. I got those flip-flops. But I've always predicted him to win the U.S. Open here. So I think that he's going to do it. I think that him and Rory are kind of in the same 
riding the, the momentum of the live kind of whatever, using that as a chip on their shoulder as momentum. So I definitely like that. And then we mentioned him earlier, guys, we kind of split on him. But I like Bruce Kepka, just just the record in the U.S. Open this week uh, or in, in his career, like like Foley mentioned the last four times, win, win, second, and fourth. You know, and like I mentioned earlier, if you have a winner or a top five, you're going to move up, and that's all he knows how to do in U.S. Open. So I don't know, guys. I hope we get it there. And I, I'm really – normally when someone makes an equipment change the week of a major, I'm a little hesitant. But because he's going back to his roots when he played his best golf, I'm, I'm actually excited with the changes we're seeing with the driver and the golf ball fan. When I look at one and done, guys, I look at separation. Who can separate themselves, especially in one and done in majors, more than other guys? That's John Rahm. I think that he can separate himself more at Brookline than he can at St. Andrews. That's why I'm going going ahead and running out John Rahm this week. And I'm also running out Victor Hovland. And the reason being is because I already used Matthew Fitzpatrick. So I like both of those guys this week. I've already talked about why, but... Uh, yeah, so Rom and Victor Hovland. Yeah, I mean, it's once you get later in the season, you can't always pick the guys you want to pick and they no. want to done because you've used them. All three in my top three, uh, Rory, Willie Z, and JT, I've used them all. My next guy on that list would have been Rom. I've used him. So I'm going to go down to some guys that I don't think are going to win the golf tournament, but I think they're going to get me uh, a lot of points in the pool. Xander Schauffele. Don't think he's going to win the golf tournament. I do think he plays well and finishes high. His last five trips to the U.S. Open, fifth, sixth, third, fifth, and seventh. Uh, I can live with any of those results this week. And another guy, and this one's a little more off the beaten path. Y'all might laugh at it, and it could totally blow up in my face. Give me a guy who's finally starting to find his form, Tony Finau, coming off a runner-up at the RBC Canadian Open, fourth-place finish in his prior event at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Here he is in his last five U.S. Opens. Missed cut, fifth. Missed cut, eighth. Missed cut. He's alternating missed cuts and top tens at the U.S. Open. He's on form, so I think he makes the cut this week, and if he does, uh, I I think he could potentially contend and get me a pretty good cash. So I'm going to try to ride the Finau wave while he's hot. Sam? Guys, I have a trivia question for you here. I actually have two trivia questions for you real oh, quick. Oh, t- Taylor, pull up Strength the Field while we do oh, yeah, this, by the way. Strength the Field. Go ahead. Strength we'll do, Field. We'll do trivia, and then and we'll if do I got uh, Strength the Field. Do you, have, do you have it pulled up? I do, yes. All right, Strength the Field. Uh, Woody, you want to venture the first guess? This is the U.S. Open. It's going to be a big number. Right seventy. Sam? 900. Uh, don't think it's quite 900. I'm going to go 848. Man, I think Cody cheated. He's almost on 841. I yeah. mean, he's a good guy. You have every single player, I believe. I think the number, the highest ranked player that's not in this field is 27th. And let me scroll and see who that is. Um, so yeah, whoever that, whoever's 27th, one second. Oh, that's Paul Casey. Paul Casey is not in the field. So that is. Everyone from 1 to 26 is in this field, and almost everyone in the top 100 is So here. does it never Besides, even get to I mean, 900, really? Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it can get to 900. Okay. I mean, if, if it's only 841 this week, it. I mean, I guess if you threw Paul Casey in there, that'd probably get it up to I 850. I threw up a big number. 860, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the highest I've ever seen is like 875 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Guys, we were talking a lot about John Rahm. Um, and obviously, he birdied the last two holes at the U.S. Open last year. Who are the other three guys that birdied the last two holes to win the U.S. Open? Oh, birdied the last two. Did Payne Stewart do it? I saw this on the golf channel last night. I can't remember. <laughs> Did Payne Stewart do it? It was not Payne Stewart. Uh, I mean, I'll just throw out Tiger Wood. Well, but Tiger was always in front. He was always leading. He didn't need no. to birdie the last two holes. Oh, uh, Tom Watson, 82. Yep, there's okay. one. There's one. That's what do you for got sure. That was a good one. 
Two and more. then, uh, oh, 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 I remember the other one. If anyone wants to guess, but I remember, I remember it. There's two more. Um, yeah, I don't know. Tyler, go ahead. 1980, uh, Nicholas at Baltusrol. Yep. Then there's one more. What do you got it? This is an old one, I think. Yep. Wow. Uh, Jerry Pate. Nope. Older than that. Colby, any last guesses? Older than that. Billy Casper? Francis, we met. Old, younger than, or I mean, I guess younger in the it's, it's sense not, it's of not closest, Billy Casper. It's not Billy Casper. It's Ben Hogan in 1953. Oh, Ben Oakmont. Hogan, who's he? Oh. All right, here's my last trivia question for you guys, and this I would be surprised if you got, but you might get it. Who won the 1911 Massachusetts Open? <laughs> the 1911. Francis, we met. Francis, we met. Nope, but you guys have heard of the, heard of this guy. He's a big name. Harry Varden. Nope. Um, hey, Bart, we're no amateur night. Walter Hagen? <laughs> it was not Walter Hagen. I have no it idea. Was, it was Donald Ross won the 1911 hey, Massachusetts wow. Open on this golf course. Wow. How about that? Uh, there you go. How about that? Great There's stuff. Uh, great stuff. Looking wow. forward to the golf. Radio on Sunday. Radio on Sunday. 10 a.m. on the Sports Animal 98.1. Yep, absolutely. Everybody check that out. Uh, again, big thanks to our guest, our guest, Dr. Seth Hickerson, for joining us today. Uh, great work, fellas. Hold on. We can't end the show real quick. We do have to talk about Spider-Man yesterday climbing the Devon Tower. Um, <laughs> didn't he climb, like, past where they were at and then had to climb back down to them? I don't know. But I know that he got to the top and was instantly arrested. Well, why did he climb the tower? What, what was the reason he said he was pro life Spider Man, and he's done it to many. I was talking to Al Ishback about it last night on air, and he, he we were, we looked him up, and he's done like the Empire State Building. So he's on tour, and he, he visited the Oklahoma. Empire State Building. Yeah, wait, wait he's pro life, and he's doing something that's probably going to kill him. Yep. That makes yep. sense. Pro life Spider Man. <laughs> Anyways, I'm glad Taylor found the irony in it. I, but here's the here's the here's the thing that you don't realize. You know, he didn't get thrown in. Hey yeah, no, he just got a fine, right? Yeah, he just got a fine. That's all. There, there's. It's not like he went to the county jail or anything and got to tell anybody. Because <laughs> if he goes to the county jail, he's going to teach every inmate in that there how to escape. So I'm glad they didn't put him in jail. That uh, kind of looks like fun climbing the Devon Tower. If all it is is a fine, I might give it a shot. <laughs> and yeah, go ahead. Tweeted that uh, the Oklahoma City County Jail is more dangerous than climbing the Devon Tower. Uh, and he's right. Hundred percent. So, uh, all right, great stuff. Hundred percent. Had a lot of fun today. Everybody have a great week. Enjoy the U.S. Open. Thanks for listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs>